Welcome to Soft Strength. My name is Aisha Fakhro, and together we'll explore conversations around humanity, holistic wellness, and mental health to expand our perceptions and the way we experience the world. All right, we're going to do things a bit differently this week. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me. I had an interview recorded for you guys, and for some reason, I procrastinated for a couple of days and delayed posting it, and then had the sudden realization last night that there's a more urgent conversation around resilience for us to have before I can share upcoming interviews. Um, and so I had these like post midnight musings last night and recorded a quick voice note for me to remember my thoughts. Um, that I would like to share today in this very interesting and unusual time that we're navigating collectively as a global community right now. Um, I want to start by saying that this was actually inspired by um, a random Harry Potter post that I saw on Instagram. And it was a quote that um, one of the characters said, which was, whatever is coming will come and we'll meet it when it comes. And it just had me thinking of this kind of universal spiritual teaching of everything you've experienced in your life thus far has been leading you up to this very moment and has been preparing you to face this moment. And everything that you are experiencing right now and being challenged with right now in this moment is also setting you up for all that is to come. Meaning this is a stepping stone that carries lessons and hidden gifts although wrapped in very unusual packages at this time specifically but um a stepping stone to take you on the path that you're meant to to travel and to take and i recognize that when things are challenging depending on where you are with the situation right now and how you're feeling it can feel really annoying to hear someone be like oh there's a bigger picture and there's a bigger meaning and um, I know that if someone said this to me two weeks ago when I was at the peak of dealing with some of the challenges of this situation, I would have been really annoyed. I would have been like, I know, but this is not the time to have this conversation. And so where I want to start and I'm kind of going to uh, shift between like reflections and musings and practical things that we can actually tackle to empower us at a time like this um, but I want to start with the importance of validating whatever comes up for us there is literally no right way to be feeling right now regardless of how logical or illogical our internal experiences may seem so you know validating whatever anger comes up for us whatever frustration comes up for us any anxieties and I say that because sometimes we allow ourselves to experience things, but there's an internal seed of judgment towards whatever experience we're having. If we're not like, yay, I'm handling this perfectly well, and I've got everything together and everything is going to be great. Uh, we don't have things together all the time. Sometimes we lose our shit and it's completely fine. And so wherever you are, not just validating it as in letting yourself experiencing it, but being aware of if there is an internal tone of judgment towards the experience you're having, what happens if we strip that judgment away and just allow the experience to be whatever it is and give ourselves the unconditional compassion that is often much easier for us to give to loved ones or 
you know, children or even pets sometimes is a really helpful place to start. So acknowledging the waves, I know I've experienced different waves and I've talked to a lot of friends who've talked about experiencing waves. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's a sudden wave. For me personally, I sometimes have a sudden wave of grief in the midst of a fantastic day where I'm feeling like everything is going great and then suddenly I'm grieving the way the world will change once this is all over. And um, so for me, I think there's a bit of an anticipatory grief here that I'm kind of just letting myself feel whenever it comes up. And also giving ourselves permission to feel joy. I think sometimes there's a sense of guilt that comes with feeling joy and even excitement and inspiration at times where there is immense pain and loss and suffering. And Understanding that we can hold space for both, like we don't have to have one polar feeling or the other, which is something I feel like I've yammered a lot about on this podcast, so I'll kind of leave it at that. But knowing and remembering that the waves are actually our way of processing this in digestible chunks that we can handle. Because the magnitude of the situation and its reality can be really overwhelming. To be honest, I don't feel like it's even productive to dwell on the magnitude i think it makes much much more sense to act as safely and responsibly as we can and instead of allowing ourselves to kind of be submerged under the waves of oh my god the you know immense collective suffering what are some digestible chunks of processing that we can experience where we can actually still productively move forward and show up in the best way that we can Now, before we talk about moving forward, it really serves us to take a moment to pause and look back. And when I started by saying everything we've experienced so far has been preparing us for this moment, it's sometimes helpful to look back and think, what have some of the most challenging life experiences we've had so far been? What are some of the experiences that you went through in your life that felt just absolutely insurmountable at the time, that felt difficult and overwhelming and maybe frustrating or demotivating, maybe depressing, maybe anxiety inducing, whatever it was for you, what are some of the standout experiences that you had that you felt like that you even questioned your capacity to deal with? I know for me personally, I've really been reflecting on the fact that six years ago, I had a very unwelcome anxiety trigger pop up in my life out of nowhere. And there was a very specific kind of situation in which that anxiety would get triggered. And that situation was actually a situation I had previously enjoyed. And it was a really challenging thing for me to come to terms with. At that time, it felt like that trigger had the potential to destroy the quality of my life and left me with no choice but to decide I either run right into the storm and and just fiercely go after the life that I believe I deserve, or I sit here and cower in my fear and avoid things that I love because my body is having this physiological response of fear and anxiety towards something that I once previously enjoyed. And so to me, that experience, which at the time was an absolute catastrophe and disaster, ended up being one of life's greatest gifts to me because that was the turning point that challenged me enough where I had no choice but to look within and start this whole journey of self-exploration and growth and looking at my inner demons, if you will. And so looking at what have those experiences been in your life? What did you come out with? 
What have they taught you? What qualities did you either discover you had or did you learn to cultivate as a result of these challenges? These scars that these challenging experiences leave us with, these battle wounds, if you will, are markers of our resilience. They are markers that you have survived. And if you've survived this, then you can survive other things that are to come. As humans, we're very adaptable creatures. We learn and we adapt through the experiences we go through. And neuroscientists will tell you that our brains are highly malleable and adaptable. They are plastic. And plastic here in the sense that you can actually mold them and create new neurological pathways, kind of like information highways in your brain that change the way you show up in your life as a result of creating consistent changes and adapting to them. And I can't talk about looking back without saying that sometimes we look back and we can't make meaning out of the experiences we've had. We can't find where we grew stronger or what we learned. And that's completely okay. This is where guidance and external supports can be really helpful to help us process these experiences, to help us make meaning out of what we went through to help us turn that crisis into an opportunity. And sometimes if the wound is quite fresh, it's not even the time yet to make that meaning necessarily. And so notice I'm not talking about what meaning can we make out of the crisis this, you know, that we are in as a global society right now because now's not the time to get to that stage. Now's the time to deal with it one step at a time and we will make the meaning once we are on the other side. But looking back and acknowledging lessons we've learned from past challenges empowers us to become aware of our resources. And so this is, let's say, step one is looking at or actionable item number one maybe makes more sense is look at your resources. What internal resources do you have within yourself that you can tap into? And then what external resources do you have that you can draw from? So internal resources, including, you know, experiences that you've had before that have given you certain qualities that enable you to deal with the situation at hand. External resources can be people around you that you can reach out for support, and probably virtually at a time like this, since most of us all over the world are isolating. External resources can be books. It can be nature. Um, quick plug for the previous episode before this one, because if you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend that you give it a listen. I find that it's a very potent conversation to be having with ourselves at a time like this, but connecting to the natural world and understanding that we are connected to a much larger whole than just the self that is encased within our skin. So even the chirping of birds can remind you that you are connected to a much bigger picture. I know chirping of birds is a powerful one for me personally. Um, looking up at the sky, noticing how the clouds move and shift or how, or how the moon changes in its phases. What resources do you have at your disposal when you show up in the face of challenge? And if you think of this and you're like, I have no idea, then Google is your friend. Do some research. What are resources that people use? What is helpful for people? And as you look at these ideas, you'll find that you can connect more to some things that you already have within you. We live in a time and age where we're ridiculously blessed and extremely privileged to have so much information readily available for us, so many resources around us. There are so many resources that are being offered free of charge at a time like this. And sometimes I feel like there's too much. It's almost overwhelming to decide what to pick from, which again is a reflection of how ridiculously privileged we are. And 
yes, there are immense challenges. Yes, there are things that are unbearable to fathom. But again, looking at how you can resource yourself, who can you reach out to for support? Maybe you need to vent. Maybe you want to, you know, go on a run with a friend if you can be outdoors and wherever you're living and, you know, leave a safe distance. But understanding that you can always tap into something to deal with whatever insurmountable experiences you feel like you're experiencing now and looking back at our sort of collective history as humans and understanding that we as a collective humanity have made it through so much unimaginable suffering and wherever we're at now was just another expression of that suffering and we can always make it through. One thing that gets talked about a lot during this time is gratitude and while I'm a huge fan of gratitude and I think it's absolutely fantastic, I'm pretty sure most of us have heard more than our fair share of reminders to be grateful at a time like this. I also want to validate that if you feel like your livelihood is currently being threatened, if you're in a very, very challenging reality of a situation right now, it's completely understandable if gratitude feels difficult to tap into. So yes, gratitude is phenomenal, but I find that unfortunately, because we over glorify it without taking into consideration that some people might be in a reality that makes it really hard to connect to gratitude, people who can't find things to be grateful for end up shaming themselves for it. And I think that we're doing a disservice by not acknowledging that it's okay for you to sometimes have a hard time connecting to it. I'm not gonna blabber about gratitude. You can do your research, although you probably don't need to because it's like on every other Instagram post that you see. So you know about gratitude, but let's move on to a few more um, practical, actionable items. So second thing you can look at, and this is one that I am a massive fan of, is cultivating vitality. Because vitality is the antidote to trauma. What is it that gives you life and a sense of vitality? And this is not a follow your passion speech. I'm someone who does, you know, who follows their passion, if you will, for a living. And I can tell you that while there are fantastic advantages to it, there are also some very interesting disadvantages and challenges. Um, not to be ungrateful, but, but just to acknowledge the reality of sometimes we over glorify follow your passion and... I'm not saying ditch anything that makes you feel less than good and just run after what gives you joy and vitality. I think that that's a really immature and irresponsible way to look at it. Although, unfortunately, that is very commonly circulated in um, self-help culture, I guess we can call it, or even the sometimes quote-unquote like spiritual community. Yogis, my friends, I'm talking to you. Um... I love picking on the yoga community. I think there's a lot of spiritual bypassing that happens in our world, but that's a whole other conversation. But when I talk about cultivating vitality, it's the understanding that you can find pockets of time within your day or inject tiny seeds within your week of something that gives you life. One really interesting find for me is I this week got into baking again after... I don't know, a five, seven year break. I don't know how it's long, how long it's been since I last baked, but it's really beautiful for me personally to put different ingredients together and expose them to heat or whatnot and have these materials transform into something else that you can then consume that nourishes you. And so for me, that's been a beautiful kind of felt experience of metamorphosis and how we can 
create things and contribute to things shifting and them evolving into being something that is enjoyable to consume. Um, one other form that I am a massive fan of, and I'm actually going to keep this one really short because I can talk about this for 17 hours, but movement. Movement is like the embodied expression of our vitality. And not just movement in terms of exercise, although exercise is fantastic and it connects you to your strength and your you know, capacity to be like, oh my God, I'm so tired, I can't do this. But then you kind of push through that one thing and it reminds you that sometimes we think we can't do something, but we can, which is great. So not dissing fitness here, but I think that there's a more playful, uninhibited, unstructured movement that is even more nourishing to our vitality you know jumping around skipping around dancing around um even exploring crawling patterns crawling is actually really soothing and crawling and rolling around on the floor i will say are really 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 soothing for our nervous system it's a way to deeply connect to the supports of the ground underneath us and Again, I'm not going to get into this. You can do the research on why crawling and rolling on the floor are fantastic for your nervous system, but especially in times of uncertainty and therefore heightened stress for many people, engaging in physical movements that calm your nervous system becomes a really powerful tool and and resource that you can connect to. Um, So going back to the idea of resources, here's one that you can have. You can move. One thing that's really nice to do is to explore yourself to different to expose yourself, excuse me, to different surfaces and to sensory inputs as you crawl. So, you know, can you crawl from a carpet to a wooden floor and then up the sofa and then maybe take a step on the dining table chair or, you know, just trying different surfaces and going up and down and having your hands and knees and shins touch different textures can be really, really soothing for the nervous system. I'm going to stop myself before this turns into a movement monologue. But um, And then we get to connection, which is also such an immense source of vitality for us. And we can talk about connection with other people. I'm a big advocate of ditching the term social distancing and replacing it with physical distancing. We are physically distancing because that is what we need to do to contain the pandemic. We don't need to socially distance. We can stay very socially connected while we are physically apart. And I think that that distinction in language is really important because language shapes our reality and the way we experience the world. So the language we choose to describe our experiences becomes the lens and the filter through which we see the world. So social connection in times of physical distancing. And also, again, going back to what I talked about uh, with connecting to nature, understanding that we are connected to a much larger whole is a really powerful reminder that there are things bigger than we can fathom and while that can sometimes feel overwhelming because it challenges our illusion of control and reminds us that we at times need to surrender it's also for i'm going to say for some of us i won't generalize but for quite a lot of us being reminded that there is a bigger picture that's being taken care of um you know the the earth is finding its homeostatic sort of balance as the world slows down and likewise we as humans can tap into that ability to return to equilibrium as well, can kind of remind you that there's a bigger situation at play here and that somehow things 
will eventually, hopefully, inshallah, find their equilibrium. I also want to touch real quick on the book I've been reading lately, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a phenomenal read that I've been enjoying in very small doses because there's just so much beauty thrown into the author's description of how he lived through um, Nazi concentration camps and came out with an intact psyche and his reflections and wisdom are beautiful. I highly recommend the book if you haven't read it. Um, but he talks about really powerful resources such as imagination. Now the, the really cool thing about imagination is that our body and mind experiences actual lived experience and imagination in the same way. So you can literally create an internal reality within yourself that your body will experience as something you're actually living. And so um, one thing he talked about being in a concentration camp and away from his wife is imagined connections and imagined bonds with loved ones, especially in times of physical isolation can be really comforting and soothing at a time like this. He also talks about the arts, so expression, singing, painting, moving, dancing. Vocalizing is a really powerful one. So the longest nerve in our autonomic nervous system is called the vagus nerve. And not vagus as in Las Vegas, but vagus as in V-A-G-U-S for any fellow nerds who want to Google this. Um, but the, the vagus nerve passes through the throat area and so when we express things using our vocal cords we're actually stimulating the nerve that governs the balance between our stress and our relaxation response and so we're fine-tuning our nervous system's capacity to regulate itself and find its own balance and so really finding ways to express through your voice you know whether you need to scream whether you want to sing whether you want to chant whether you want to read scripture out loud, doing whatever feels right for you and your personal beliefs, um, but really using your voice to express and process at a time like this can be very powerful. Humor. He talked about dark humor, which I really loved. And I'm going to go on a quick tangent here because I think that there's a beauty and a power in acknowledging darkness. I think that we as humans often have a slight aversion to darkness and we often associate it with evil which I don't think is a very conducive association um, but it is where we generally are for the most part and it's really important to remember the essential nature of darkness as a way to highlight and balance out the light and if we suppress the inevitable darkness that is simply a sign of our humanity not a sign of evil but just a mark of you know we are human and we are imperfect and if we try to suppress that parts within ourselves we are suppressing other parts within ourselves because there's no selective muting you can't just be like i'm gonna mute this part of me and allow that other part to fully express itself when you're toning down any part of you, you are inevitably clouding other parts from fully expressing themselves. And so if we truly want to let our brightest inner light shine, we need to be able to embrace the variety of textures and shades within us. It's what makes us human. And it doesn't mean we need to act upon the darkness. It just means that connecting to us enables us to then 
choose how we want to move forward from a place of conscious decision as opposed to reactive. Oh my God, I don't like this. This is not a part of myself that I love. So I'm going to shove it down. Um, and again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is embracing the waves and the diversity of the experiences that we're having. And I want to end by saying that resilience is about taking time to recover and refuel. And so it's kind of like the quote, um, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. And I find that resilience is not being unfazed by challenges. It's not, you know, not getting overwhelmed or not feeling weak at times or feeling challenged at times, but rather being able to pause and be like, <sighs> finding some kind of seed that refuels you, some form of rest and recovery that enables you to return to some version of a baseline, some sort of an equilibrium so that you can then move forward. I think that this is a time that is teaching us to surrender our illusion of control, but also take radical responsibility, meaning understanding that not everything is within our control, but there are certainly things that are within our control. And when we tackle the things that we can control, and when we take things one step at a time, instead of being lost in the overwhelm of there are certain things that we can't control, then we get to actually channel our energy into a productive place that enables us to manage this current situation and then eventually move forward um there's probably stuff that i've missed there's probably stuff that i will remember later and wish i said but this is where i'm at now so i guess this is what's meant to be shared in our current conversation i certainly hope the conversation continues i look forward to hearing from you hearing how you've been experiencing this and maybe what gives you a sense of vitality or what enables you to tap into your resilience. I hope you're well. Again, stay safe, take care, and we will continue the conversation soon. Mm -hmm.